1: Welcome back. Happy Labor Day, right?
2: Ooh,
1: uh, yeah, I think so. I think this will be Labor Day when this comes out. So, I mean, hey, we don't even take off. Look at us go.
2: Look at us. We're not at the beach right now. No, I definitely will not be at the beach on Labor Day. So I can confidently (laughs) say
1: that. (laughs) Oh my God, absolutely not. Honestly, I've kind of realized I don't really think I like the beach that much.
2: I've realized that, like, the second I came out of the womb. It's like, I know, I, like, it's just the sand is dirty. I get sunburned so easily. Waves are fun. Yeah. Ocean is fun. But ocean is, when you go to the Jersey Shore, ocean is dirty. And not Ew. in, like, a seaweed way. And, like, a, there's just, there's a can. Like cigarette There's a butts. can doing the can-can at my feet. And it <laughs> li- kind of ruins the uh, the uh, allure of the beach.
1: That is so funny. But regardless of where you all are, we hope you are enjoying your Labor Day,
2: yes. And if you're at the co-working space I'm at, I hope this um, soundproof room that they told me is soundproof is actually soundproof. I'm nervous, but I hope people like listening in. I mean, the walls
1: look fuzzy; like it does look like
2: uh, the walls are fuzzy. It's 200 degrees, but there is like a, the door is glass, so people are walking by, and I'm kind of oh. just like hi, yeah. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty classic mistake, I think.
2: Yeah, they fumbled it. They
1: fumbled it. But it was cute.
2: Free coffee. So I really, they can do whatever they want.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) we love that for you.
2: I know. But what I also love too is Sarah, we have, before we get into the main case we're going to discuss today, there's like a breaking update. We're not breaking, but it's an update.
1: I know. It's an update. It's funny because we talked about it yesterday and then we were like, oh, interesting. And then like the next minute it's all over. Like, I mean, did page six post about it?
2: I think so. Pages that posted did. every single brand has.
1: Okay, so uh, Rachel Williams is suing Netflix for Ooh. defamation, basically over the way that she was portrayed in Inventing Anna. And I'm going to be honest, like I didn't watch the show, but I—I I mean, I watched like one and a little bit of an episode because I was I like, this know. Is so cringe.
2: Well, and also for, like, us who know, we're like, we've done Anna Delvey so much. Like, I'm like, this is coming out what year? Like, we've been talking about her so much. I almost was kind of like, I know it took a while, but, like, and, like shows took a while to make. But I sort of like, I don't know if I need this dramatization of it. I
1: know. It's kind of like the Tiger King one. It was like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. But then once we got out of our, like, fever dream, it was like, wait a sec, do we actually yeah. need this?
2: Yeah, but she's suing them because she said that she was portrayed inaccurately as like a greedy, snobbish, disloyal, dishonest, cowardly, manipulative, and opportunistic person. That is a direct quote from the lawsuit. I did not just riff uh, all those words.
1: Yeah, but I got to say, like filing a lawsuit against Netflix, like a year after anybody stopped caring about this show, doesn't really help you not look like those things.
2: I know. I know. And also, it's hard because she did a, what was it? I think it was an air mail because I remember being like, oh, I don't know that. She criticized it. And I mean, her criticism was kind of more to the main thing she said, a, besides her depiction, is like, why are you giving this girl money? Because they gave Anna Delvey money for all of it and everything right. like that, because they bought her life rights. So that was the issue. But I know, I think this is kind of one of those things where you just got to, like, you got to take, and we, we love our Rachel, but like, sometimes you just got to take the L.
1: I know. Cause like from what I did watch of Inventing Anna, this Rachel Girl was horrible. Like there was Oh, it was pretty much awful, where I yeah. noped out was I was like, I can't fucking watch this show. There's this one scene where Rachel is like talking to Neff, who is like a black woman, and she says something that is I don't remember what it what it is, but it's like kind of microaggression-y, just like a weird thing to say. And then Neff kinda like questions her about it, and then Rachel literally just stops in her tracks and
2: just runs away wait like, yes that was the clip i saw online that made me go i'm good
1: that was the clip where i was like fuck this show like i'm over this i can't i was like i can't believe that i'm sorry but i can't believe anybody's calling this show good when it's literally nominated for you Emmys. you have a i don't you have a character just freeze and run away yeah. When in real life has anyone done that? I was just like, I'm done with this show. So I understand why Rachel is upset about is an- annoyed. the way she's portrayed, because also they could have just like named the character something else.
2: Well, that's what I was just going to say. I'm like, obviously, I understand that you need Anna Delvey to kind of be like, they call her Anna or something like that. But like, all the other characters are like supporting characters in this because they bought Anna's life, right? So it's not, they didn't buy out all the other people in it to claim for that. And I think also in Rachel's lawsuit, she's saying that, Maybe they added more characteristics that aren't favorable to Rachel because Rachel had to deal with HBO. So she's saying maybe Shonda and Netflix was annoyed that Rachel was going to work with Lena Dunham.
1: Oh, I don't really know it, how much, by the way, but you
2: know, big mistake, big, huge. You go on the I loved girls, but you go on the Shondaland. If, if Shondaland calls, you answer. But I don't know if Shondaland called her.
1: Yeah, and, and so her attorney told people the reason we had to file this case is because Netflix used Rachel's real name and biographical mm-hmm. details and made her out to be a horrible person, which she's not. I mean, the horrible person part, I'm sure, is, like, debatable, but, yeah, they could have literally, especially because there is a disclaimer at the beginning that's, like, yeah, half this stu- the show is made up. Like, they could have easily just changed her name, and I, I don't know, I wonder if Anna just did that as, like, a dig to her, oh. <laughs> like
2: one 90 hundred percent of course it was the dig and it's just kind of like so it is like this game with this or that here's my one thing here so here's what i'm feeling i mean we'll see what happens it's like yes it is very hard to sue netflix for this random thing but i feel netflix also i feel they have so much money i'm like well, they, their, their money know. fluctuates a lot but i wonder Good if they would just settle yeah maybe they'll just be like you know what here's a here's a few i know like james That's vanderbeek true. is suing um stitcher for some for podcast what? stuff so because he was gonna do a podcast and then they like didn't air it or something like that, so he sued. Or no, because he was like in negotiations for like two years and he said he turned down a lot of other deals for this podcast. And then the podcast they just like the higher ups. There was this new clause where he was like, where they were like, no, we're not gonna do it. And he was supposed to get paid seven hundred k for it, so he's suing them oh, for seven hundred k.
1: Yeah, I would sue.
2: Hell yeah, I would sue. It's the week of suing conglomerates, I guess. And yeah. I i have worked with all of those conglomerates so i love them all but uh (laughs) i don't love conglomerates (laughs) but i i I like uh being considered for things so i'll leave i'll leave my main opinions at that that
1: is so funny well i mean it's kind of wild that rachel and anna are kind of still feuding in the year of 2022 literally this is four years after the car article
2: and anna was just on dr phil i think no she wasn't or maybe maybe that was a few months ago but i just saw it pop back up on my news feed but i was just kind of like what is going on here and Neff also made an appearance and she was like i got my money back.
1: i mean Neff, honestly Neff is like the real hero of this story because she didn't go to morocco mm-hmm. she got involved in the netflix thing like she pretty much lost nothing honestly and
2: that's actually true i wonder whatever happened with the that yoga instructor who went on the trip too
1: Yeah, I think the yoga instructor, like, left early, so...
2: Oh, you're right.
1: Again, she's good. And even Rachel, you know, she got her money back, ultimately, That's
2: true. And got a book that we read that was good. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Let us know your thoughts about it, because I feel, with a lawsuit with Netflix involved, I mean, a lot of outlets picked this up, so I think they're going to be really looking at the nitty-gritty and, like, kind of keeping major tabs on it, so we will do our best to keep tabs on it as well. Yes,
1: but today, Danny, do you want to tell everybody what we're yeah, talking about? Yeah, I mean, today... And how we found out
2: about it? Oh, yeah. So I got to pull up because we always ask you guys, I mean, when it's, when you have the time to do it, if you want to give us a five-star review and, you know, review the podcast and also put like a case or a cult or a something that's a topic of an episode that you're like, yeah. guys, you really, really, really should do this. And somebody commented... That they wanted us to do One Taste. And I had no clue what One Taste was. I've never heard of this before. And I kind of was like, huh. I don't like the first thing I thought I was like, is this like a Dua Lipa thing? You know, like One Kiss, uh, her Calvin Harris song. But (gasps) oh my gosh. I sent an article to Sarah and I was like, this seems like a cult MLM hybrid situation that is really up this podcast alley in terms of discussing.
1: Yes. Because
2: it really ties in convincing people with like wellness, health, and everything like that, but it's really scamming and manipulating, and even getting like into sex work and everything like that. There's a lot of layers to it.
1: There's really a lot. Like I don't even know what to call it. It's kind of like Nexium. It doesn't seem as bad. There's people no branding. Yes.
2: But people were saying it did have a lot of that energy. Of a Nexium, and that's why people were more so. Because on paper, I think at first it had a lot of layers of an MLM of like giving money and everything like that. You like recruit people, but when you dig in deeper, it really does have the fixings of a cult, uh, yes. which they which they shockingly deny. But let us get into it. So, yes, on um, paper, One Taste is like an organization founded to teach people OM, capital O M, kind of like OM the sound, yeah. and that stands for Orgasmic Meditation now that does not stand for that in your classic yoga i mean
1: class. this type of meditation i could get into you know
2: <laughs> i mean well that's the thing i'm immediately hooked i'm like all right let's talk let's talk about it let's let's om right let's om and nom oh my god that should be like if they have a buffet after anyway so it was founded in 2001 so a while a little back by robert candel and nicole Dodone, who is mainly the focal point that we get into a lot this obviously was founded in San Francisco. I feel kind of like <laughs> the... such California vibes for sure. The second I, I've been on, Hate Ashbury, people be on in there. They are they are Yeah, uh, she holds a bachelor's degree in gender communications from San Francisco State <laughs> University. Oh my God! No offense, but of course. I know. I know what you mean. If this was founded in 2001, I'm only, I'm so curious what the outdated 01 gender communications curriculum entails, so, you know what oh I mean, my too? God, so true. <laughs> that was my main thought. I'm like, okay.
1: But she also I know, what kind wave of, of feminism are they teaching in 2000, like, in the late 90s?
2: Yeah, spoiler alert, the wing just shut down all their, pro- like, locations. Did you see that? No. I literally, well, I just saw, like, a tweet about it. I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but breaking for a weekly.
1: Ooh, okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, but also while studying this, she practiced yoga, Kabbalah, and Buddhist meditation.
1: This girl was really just living her best, like white girl California life. Oh,
2: she listened to Madonna, and yeah. was like, "Oh, I need that life." Which and
1: was like that red string bracelet is so chic.
2: It was. It had a chokehold on everyone's wrist in California for an it era.
1: <laughs> really did. That was such a strange time.
2: It was really bizarre. Ariana Grande dipped her toe in that, or dipped her wrist in that. <laughs> but she apparently learned about OM, orgasmic meditation, from a Buddhist monk, but held out on who it was, which I'm kind of like, if someone teaches you how to OM, text me.
1: I mean, would you recognize the name of any Buddhist monk? I don't think I would.
2: i get the yellow pages out or whatever they're called in 2022. <laughs> if a My monk God. is famous for this, I'm curious. I guess the internet. I'd look, <laughs> yeah, I'd look on San Francisco uh, Facebook. Amazing. So the company initially started with like kind of just like how i feel so many wellness vibe places started just two communal style quote-unquote urban retreat centers because it's kind Mm -hmm. of like the hustle and the bustle of the city come in here close the door we're gonna just whisper and hang out we're gonna you know it's like your little safe aways so true one obviously was open to san francisco and one classically in manhattan lower manhattan might I add for any... Oh, that's vibes?
1: actually a little unexpected. I would expect they'd go for, like, an Upper East moment.
2: I, I, Well, we get into some of their clients. <laughs> in 2009, though, the New York Times... So this kind of... Uh, like, So they were kind of starting, like, a slow and steady, a slow ohm burn. Mm-hmm. But in 2009, the New York Times put One Taste on the front page of its style section, and the brand, like, immediately took off. Like, everyone was like, okay, what is this brand? Because it sounds... Magical. It sounds like a place Mm -hmm. where you go to kind of just connect with your sexuality and learn, like, how to, like, everything like that. And then kind of a little bit after that in 2011, uh, TEDxSF, so TED Talks in San Francisco, Nicole, the co-founder, gave a talk there that has been watched, like, almost two million times on YouTube. She describes an essential hunger for connection that especially plagues Western women who eat too much, work too much, shop too much. She's like looking right at me and still feel empty. She says the cure for all this is om. Um. Now, I don't know if people would be like, oh, you know what? I don't need the side of fries. I'm alming. You know what I mean? It's kind of a bold claim that she's making. Yeah. There. But it is that kind of practice that I feel like so many wellness people take. It's like you're putting all these things in your body when you really just need to like find your body, and it's kind of like, okay, but yeah, I s-
1: and it's like you'd already the magic exists within you
2: the whole time, like uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's like you could go home all along. it's like, no, I was looking at the shoes, not what the shoes can click me to do, yeah right, uh, right shout right. out to yellow Road so huh. I mean the promise, but uh, to 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 the messaging credit and for the people who started signing up for it, that promise is very that sounds really nice it's like, oh, you're lost, and here's this thing that you can do to kind of feel like more connected to yourself and also i mean as core it's like oh i can like do that and then also like achieve ultimate pleasure as well pleasure and self and everything tied together
1: i mean what's wild to me is like what they're selling this as versus what it actually ends up being that's the thing which will i mean i get to i suppose but that is just hilarious to me
2: there's an elephant in the room and a finger in a glove yeah (laughs) So they expanded kind of quickly after this. I mean cuz like TED Talks really uh, blow up as well. So then they moved to London and L- LA, which I'm kind of shocked they did not jump to LA first cuz I was like who's flying Yeah. Laramenon to San Francisco, that's a journey, but
1: I know that's so interesting.
2: And here's what's crazy. So from 2009 when the New York Times article came out and then they all the way to 2014, they've had a really steady quick like glow up. And in 2014, they were listed as one of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies, like, ever. That's crazy. Insane. And what's crazier is that in 2017, they made $12 million in revenue. That is so much. It's so interesting, too, because it's not, like, producing a product, which I'm almost like, I guess there's no cost of production, but it's just catching on, like, wildfire. Right. So this, you kind of feel like they're unstoppable and everything is taking off until, so in 2017, they made $12 million. In 2018, they had a different, uh experience where they closed all of their u.s locations and stopped hosting in-person classes yeah. so this is kind of where the podcast comes in and where we kind of unpack just what went wrong and whatever was right with it
1: right this is where we come in obviously us the real journalists on the front lines <laughs> we come in after everyone already investigated about it Let's i know like, about it four years later right So, okay, One Taste started basically pushing their sexuality wellness education towards the mainstream, and some members said it pushed them into a sort of sexual servitude, and also like gigantic debts, and shouts out to Bloomberg for the tea.
2: Oh, really gave a lot, yeah.
1: So, some background on what orgasmic meditation even is at One Taste. So, OM has strict rules, and they say it's not sex or foreplay, but we'll let you all decide.
2: And we'll also shout out Ellen Hewitt, who is the journalist.
1: There we go. So basically the pitch to women is that it's 15 minutes of meditative focus only on like the woman's pleasure and sensation with no obligation to reciprocate. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm down. Like that is actually pretty revolutionary, I think. Yeah, especially it's in a early Talk, a head talk.
2: Yeah. With
1: I know, especially in the early 2000s when every male comedian's joke is like, where's the clitoris? And you're like, where else would it be?
2: And also, it's like, you went to health, like, you are an adult, like, what? Right,
1: right. It's not, like, a mystery. Like, it's not on your elbow.
2: Those jokes are still alive and well.
1: (laughs) Gross. Where else would it be? Okay, anyway. So, we'll get into, like, the actual nitty-gritty gross of what it entails, but so many who became involved in, like, the upper echelons of One Taste described an organization that they thought basically was run on predatory sales tactics... And pushed members to ignore their financial, emotional, and physical boundaries, and some of them even left feeling traumatized by the experience.
2: Which does feel like all the mixins of a cult, I would
1: say, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. And so many students like kind of start off their first encounters are casual. They see something for like a free or almost free event with a title that says something like, Tired of swiping left, let's talk real intimacy, or you do yoga, you meditate, now try a hashtag orgasmic meditation
2: it was 2012 they were big on the hashtag and yeah I know,
1: hashtagging on a flyer and so then they go to like the free event and they get told about a $200 class to show them
2: om. which after like the free event you're kind of are probably like okay well now I really am curious about this
1: that's how everybody hooks you they hook you with the yeah. free thing and then they're like okay now this is where the real like stuff starts
2: expect a bonus episode soon about yoga to the people
1: <laughs> oh my god facts I know we could just do that next so students would pay like, you know, almost $500 for a weekend class, $4,000 for Ugh. a retreat, 12 grand for coaching and 16 grand for intensive session. I'm sorry, but if you have $16,000, like just buy a house, not in New York <laughs> obviously, but obviously. like but Jersey. Or even like a trip. I can't imagine just like spending that much money for a class. Or well, I say that it. as I'm in grad school. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Just okay. Just getting self-roast. Oh my God. You're in okay. the cult of yourself. <laughs> Maybe I do get it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whatever, guys. I get a really cool robe at the end.
2: That's actually fair.
1: That I also have to pay for. Uh.
2: I forgot about that part of graduation. Yeah. Wow.
1: So then they started to sell $60,000 annual memberships, which is literally a college tuition. That was kind of like an unlimited membership type deal, like how your gym is like, oh, you can do an unlimited monthly class. But if your Equinox was charging you 60 grand, they're almost there. But
2: I was going to say, it is impressive to find a place that makes Equinox look like a steal. Facts. Oh my <laughs> and God. one taste is that place.
1: Well, it's also weird because they are charging so much money, but. They never sort of, in this article, they never mentioned, like, any celebrity clients that they had. No. So I'm like, these are really just regular-ass people, like, destroying their credit.
2: That's true. They're just kind of like, and, like, it's almost like secret of, like, it's so spiritual and everything like that.
1: hmm Like, Scientology has, like, so many celebrities just kind of keeping them afloat.
2: I will say, I'm not sure when she did it, but I do know one time Chloe Kardashian shouted them out. Oh, yeah, you're right. So but I don't think it was like in she wasn't really that much at the beginning of it. But I know she kind of was like, oh, my God, I love it. So
1: right. I don't think she was deep in it. And this is what just blows my mind. You really can get a trademark for anything. It's a trademarked procedure that usually has a man with a gloved fingertip that is lubricated. Stroke a woman's clitoris for 15 minutes. This uh, this seems creepy.
2: Well, that's what I'm like. It doesn't seem like. It feels, like, medical, like, a weird kind of thing, and also, like, in, like, a public setting, too.
1: Yeah, like, they would do this in groups. I mean, what this what this reminds me of is, like, when, I think this was in, like, the 1920s when they would, like, treat hysteria with just, like, vibrators, basically. The, uh, so <laughs> like, psychologist or whoever would just, like, basically give the woman a vibrator and be like, there you go, now you're not hysterical. <laughs> wow medicine (gasps) has come
2: so far but not far but not
1: far enough i'm also like you guys really like this is why i honestly kind of hate the like wellness spiritual like subculture because i'm like you guys really think you did something you fucking trademarked masturbation and you're trying to act like it's this i don't know life-changing new concept that you just came up with i obviously know that there are like health benefits to orgasm and things like that but it's just like
2: so, so people can really do that
1: thought you for free. Ninety nine invented the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, you thought you broke the mold here with this. Like, this is so.
2: <laughs> your your secret is that people who masturbate get happy after it. Yeah,
1: right. Right. Okay, good to know. And you just made it creepy and weird. So congrats. Honestly, so the company operated in like a cult slash MLM hybrid kind of.
2: I feel it's like
1: that. Yeah, I think you're right because some students would like most of them would start working on the sales staff. And they would, like, live in communal homes with other coworkers. And every day they would gather for multiple rounds of OM, which is the orgasmic meditation thing. Um, and, like, they would do it in groups with other
2: coworkers. Which also, I don't That is. I have. Maybe it's just a me thing. Like, whenever I'm, like, whenever I'm, like, changing in the locker room, I'm like, huh. I cannot imagine OMing just on lunch break.
1: It's fucking weird, and also like multiple times a day. I mean, I understand that some people have a high sex drive, but at a certain point, I'd be like, "I'm good," you know.
2: Oh, I could not. I'm tired. Yeah, and also I want all the. F- I want to go eating and shopping, which is what they say I, I won't want to do after um. I'm still. Well, yeah.
1: that was like part of the funny thing because they were like, you know, these people were doing so much of this like like whatever mutual masturbation thing, and they were not sleeping, and so they were just like constantly like on a on a very thin rope. Which is just kind Aww. of funny to imagine these people who are, like, sleep deprived, but, like, very satisfied, but just walking around like zombies.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, that is, that's a sight. <laughs> yeah. There are some videos of, like, not that online, of course, but of some of the uh, things, if anybody is curious about, like, what, the, what some of the SFW-ish aspects okay. of the meetings were, like, don't open it at work, because I don't really, I haven't watched all of them, but, you know. Yeah, probably don't. I would advise not to.
1: So part of their sales approach too was like they would continuously call and text people who went to one of the like free events.
2: Okay, try Nancy sell Pelosi.
1: But, <laughs> oh my God. That's a fucking pyramid scheme. You uh, know, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what's a pyramid scheme? Is how I donate to charity and then they send me like like I donate I don't know, let's say five dollars one time and they send me like mailers for the rest of my life. Yes like I know my $5 is not still keeping this afloat. Like I don't understand. How I'm like
2: is Jennifer Shaw behind every <laughs> campaign text chain?
1: Oh my god, seriously. So yeah, they would they would just fucking annoy people to try to sell them more expensive classes mm-hmm. which is multi-level marketing energy. And some of their events were so big that it would be like 30 participants, which also meant like 30 strokers. Ugh, gross. Sorry. That's their word, not mine.
2: That is that is their that is their terminology.
1: Yeah. And it was weird because the men would be fully clothed and the women would be naked from the waist down. But I do kind of appreciate that. (laughs) You know, like, I feel like what I appreciate how it is focused on the women's pleasure.
2: On the paper with that, it holds up the bargain of what they are saying. And Mm -hmm. in some of the photos I saw, it is kind of a thing. It's like a bunch of women in a line with a robe and then the men with their gloves.
1: Okay. But the thing is, I'm like, why do you need, like... I just don't get why you need someone else to do this for you. Like, I don't get why that's, mm. that's <gasps> part of the cult.
2: Girls, you can be your own boss and you can give your own arm.
1: Yes. There we go. Yeah, we like, go. I don't think they really answered, you know, why there needs to be a man doing this to you and you can't just do it yourself on your own time.
2: Well, or in I think a group, we, if
1: that's what you're into, but.
2: Well, we'll get into why I think they do like to have, uh, why the CEO really encourages having guys for some of their clients.
1: Fucking creepy. So one woman told Bloomberg that she was drawn to the company because she felt unfulfilled sexually and also in other parts of her life. And the group had this vibe of being like attractive and confident and carefree. I mean, don't they all?
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: They all. Yes, they all seem that way. And she felt that Nicole, who was the founder, seemed to hold the key to sexual and spiritual enlightenment. So people like spent their whole lives together living in these spaces, but they also spent all their money basically. Some of them were $20,000 in debt. $20,000, I feel like I said that too fast, but I want to emphasize that. They were that much money in debt from buying classes. And one taste basically taught its members that money is just an emotional obstacle. And actually there's this quote – Uh, One of the people gives this quote to Bloomberg that says, I mean, I'm just paraphrasing it, but he said basically, like, once he hit $3,000 in credit card debt, like something kind of broke in his brain because Mm -hmm. he's like, $3,000, $30,000, who cares? It's all like fake. It's all debt. You know, like you're already in the hole.
2: I am glad I've never had. Well, I mean, I guess because I just have been always suffocated by a mountain of student loan debt. So I've never felt like what's the difference between three or 30? I'm like, I would love to hit the three
1: one day. Exactly. So they encourage students to take out multiple credit cards to pay for the courses. And some even used GoFundMe or Prosper Funding. And the head of sales would even like sit down with people and like apply for a credit card next to them. Or like they would ask other members to pay for their classes.
2: Yeah. If they were like, oh, I really can't afford this. So like it's almost like Gina Rodriguez. Mama, let's research. Like let's pull up this yeah. credit card company for you to apply for together.
1: Right. Right not like okay we'll do a discount a sliding yeah. scale or like no. oh
2: you work for us here's a free class or something like that yeah
1: that's like <laughs> the craziest part i'm like you they were working they weren't getting paid or they were getting paid little money and they were still like forced to pay for all these classes and if people worked there asked about getting paid they would kind of get in trouble and get publicly shamed for having a scarcity mindset
2: which like is that a scarcity mindset or is that just wanting what was what is what was promised
1: right Interesting how money is an emotional obstacle until it comes to you making the money.
2: Now, isn't that that?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. That's some shit. And so um, this woman, Michal, who spoke to Bloomberg, was married during a two-week retreat with uh, that costs $36,000 a person. And it was called the Nicole Didone D- Intensive. I mean, cheaper than a wedding, I guess. But, but in a sense. Yeah. In a sense. I think that is the average wedding cost is thirty six grand.
2: Oh, really? Okay, we'll get Nicole to comment on that. But uh, but it is a thing. So many people, a lot of these people got married together because it's kind of like they don't know anybody else because they're in this grouping together and everything like yep. this. And it is sort of a weird, like, I know they were saying, like, the divorce rate is very high once the people leave one taste because they're like, oh, I have a life outside of this. Who are you? I don't have anything in common yeah. with you besides one taste.
1: And I think that she married this guy because he was paying for her classes. Mm-hmm. I mean, not because, but like, that's how they kind of yeah. got close. And I don't know, just a whole mess. And by the time they left the company, they had spent over $150,000. Oh, my God. If I ever have that much money.
2: It's not going to Alming.
1: <laughs> at least I'll buy a vibrator. Like, that's something that you can yeah. with you forever.
2: Those memories last forever on the memory foam. Yes. It's just insane. And also, oh God. So I know we always, sometimes when you like hear things like this, you're like, this is kind of insane. Like why won't people just like get up and leave or something like that? But like people get so drawn to it, convinced to it. And then it gets to the ins and out of how they operate. You realize there's, it's hard for people to see a way out of it or also a reason to want a way out of it because life at all the places where they were living were really relentlessly scheduled. So like, Every morning at around 7 a.m., staff convened for two rounds of OM, switching partners midway. It's kind of like a sock hop. I don't even know. Yeah, that's
1: fucking weird.
2: Yeah. Then came, like, it was inspired by Alcoholics Anonymous, a fear inventory, writing out and sharing their worries with a partner. There we have that. And former staffers say that they were encouraged to report to management if they heard others express doubts about one taste. So they kind of were having everybody, like, police one another to make sure everybody was... Always on board with one taste. Mm-hmm. Then after that, they went to Brickham Yoga, which, I mean, we fucking did classic, about classic, They went
1: to the culty yoga, mm-hmm. with the, led by the guy who, like, fucking <laughs> harassed and I think maybe assaulted. His, I think so. What's, like, this, the whatever, this, the pupils of the guru. I'm like, the ease? I don't know, whatever you call yeah. it like, of course they chose that yoga.
2: Yeah, that was their that was their uh, starting off point. Then they cooked clean and spent several hours making sales calls around a table, tracking their progress with salesforce.com, which is- That uh, is very...
1: hilarious that they were like technologically it almost advanced. almost was like a call
2: center. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's so funny.
2: And after an afternoon round of Om, um, they left to run the evening's public session. So they really had no time to themselves. Uh, they were just kind of always like work together, work to the bone.
1: This sounds, like, horrible.
2: It sounds horrible, and it gets worse in terms of what a lot of the staffers had to say. Yeah. A lot of former staffers and even members said that One Taste kind of felt like it resembled a prostitution ring, one that exploited trauma victims and also targeted people searching for healing. And how it kind of felt like it operated like a prostitution ring is that the company would use flirtation and sex to lure emotionally vulnerable uh, targets teaching employees to work for free cheap to show devotion in particular society this is to your point where you're like why did why do they want these guys involved some um guys like uh the people who would the people with the gloves the employees said that they were told to have sex not just do on um, with them but have full-on sex with their older wealthier female clients to get them to continue to come for more payment Creepy. Very creepy. They'd also have their female staff hook guys by having them pay for a class and then have sex with them. So no. that was kind of the thing. They had like, it was really like, they said that like, hooking was a major phrase that was used in this organization. So it'd be like, that oh girls, like get not a the
1: phrase you should use,
2: right? Get a guy who's like kind of into you or just get a guy and tell them like, oh, I really want to have sex with you. But like, let's do this class together because it'd be like really erotic. And then they have sex Jeez. with them after they get their money. Uh, managers also frequently ordered staff to have sex with each other or with other customers, which is very... In a sense, they would always just want to have it... Like, they would like have people have sex with one another in the rooms, in the houses, and everything like that.
1: Didn't they also, like, basically assign certain women, like, men to have sex with? Like, they would be like, okay, you have sex with him this week, and it didn't matter if she didn't want to.
2: Oh, yeah. we'll get. they have a... Uh, there's uh, details about... Um, because they have sex managers that were, like...
1: Right, right, okay. So managers
2: for people. Gun. Oh, no, no, because yeah, that that part, like, I stopped in my tracks reading that. It was crazy.
0: Horrible.
2: Uh, but before we get into that, one taste, of course, is saying all of this is outrageous and that they only want to help victims. Aww. They also say they never direct employees to engage in sexual acts, or do they have the ability to do so. Everything we've said so far, it seems like they were kind of forcing people to do it. But for what it's worth, just want to throw that in there for all of that. Um. Yeah. And a weird also moment is that One Taste began targeting businesses as customers too during all this because. Which,
1: holy, how is that not like every lawsuit waiting to happen? You can't have an OM with your coworkers. So,
2: well, <laughs> that's the you, thing. You can't. So they said that they wanted to teach the OM um, principles over the stroking. But it seems like the principles are mainly the stroking.
1: I mean, it's called orgasmic meditation. Like, how do you divorce that from orgasm? Like, that is in no way appropriate.
2: So, Nicole was saying that they want to teach people to feel (laughs) over formula and to stay connected no matter what while running a company. And I think the thing that enrages me the most about this is that they were doing this. Like, they used, like, the Me Too movement as, like, um, a way to promote themselves with brand. It's like... Oh, like we're teaching you how to have like preventative health conversations because that's better than treating the disease of sexual harassment.
1: Right. So, uh, yeah, definitely, let's get the the harasser men in a room with a bunch Mm -hmm. of women without their pants.
2: Exactly, and also. Mm, no, companies coming forward, but are they doing the um, sex managing practices with these high companies? Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, didn't they claim that they, oh, what was the company that The they NHL? Claimed? Yes, the NHL. And the NHL was like, we don't
2: know her. <laughs> they really went, with, they, they went Mariah <sighs> yeah. Carey.
1: I mean, also because like, I don't know how many women work in the NHL. You know, I don't know. I'm yeah. sure some, but it's just like,
2: It seems like, well, it's one of those stereotypical male-dominated industries and everything like that. Right,
1: right, exactly. So it's just like, who are you really, like, helping with this?
2: Yeah, so it was all just, like, psychological manipulation. Another example of this, like, woman uh, just lost her understanding of money. And then one interesting side note before we get into more details of the sexual manipulation tactics is that another tactic people do, like, this 23-year-old guy who was in the Bloomberg article joined after he was like, I hate my job. My girlfriend had our kid and I don't really want to be a dad. I'm too young. And Nicole was like, the mom's choice to have the child isn't yours. So I free you of any guilt of having your kid. And he was like, oh, okay. So he joined for a decade. He was
1: literally like, all right, sick. Like, sir, that's not how it works.
2: It's kind of like the hindsight because now he is 33. He was like, I realize I would not hear that from anybody else, and that is what I wanted to hear. So that is why I did it. So right. it kind of is like he scammed himself into doing that.
1: He did, because he's like, Damn, now my relationship with my thirteen year old has really suffered. I'm like, Yeah, no shit, man. You just yeah. kind of were like, Uh, not my problem. It's like it
2: doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. They were like, so Oh, you're insane. good, don't worry about it. And he was like, Really? Okay, cool. Okay. Bye. Bye kid. Yeah. Insane. even darker one tastes uh, their teachings were often kind of used to justify sexual manipulation and even abuse according to several former members. So they kind of teach this thing called aversion practice which is so is such a red flag.
2: Um,
1: they basically it's the company's teaching that you gain power and expand your orgasm and within the group orgasm isn't just an orgasm it's like a term that just means sexual energy. So you expand this energy by performing sexual acts that you don't want to or doing them for people you find disgusting. And that is just so I don't even know what to say about that. It's like you kind of have like assault baked into your company values like yeah. that is fucked.
2: And it did remind me like in a, in a completely different but similar way of like, in bad vegan when he was like I want to look disgusting to make you try to hate me but you won't hate me. you know what I mean
1: yeah i can get that but
2: yeah but i know it is insane just being like oh you need to forcing people to do to have sex right it was, yeah
1: like literally doing things that people don't consent to is like not only okay but actually seen as a good thing that is just so twisted
2: and also not the only thing not even a good thing it's like this is what you do
1: yeah yeah so one time, these two coworkers were fighting. and They were told to go have sex, and they couldn't come back to work until they did. They would also assign people a sex manager who would basically go on Tinder or ask the community and like get a, get a person for them to have sex with every day. Like,
2: it, that is insane. Yeah, she would even have like, uh, like, because like they would name these people like priests and priestesses of orgasm and everything like that, and just being like <laughs> forcing people to just have like random anonymous sex for no, like for for truly what benefit.
1: Yeah. And the sex manager would basically be like, okay, you're messed up and sex is the solution. And former staffers say there were multiple cases of domestic violence between employees that were in relationships, which were sometimes characterized as one partner letting out his or her aggressive desire or beast. That's abuse. Straight up. Yeah. And, and and that's just like, I feel like another instance of them like glamorizing something that is really bad. Yeah. In one case, an executive repeatedly slapped his girlfriend during a fight in 2014 that was at the company's headquarters in front of employees.
2: Like, not even hiding, yeah, no, no hiding it, no nothing. It's really bizarre that everyone was just like, "Oh, that's just what ha- that's just what we do here."
1: Well, yes, that executive was fired, but was since rehired. Yeah, and, I was going to
2: say, how long were you? Yeah.
1: And one case, uh told Bloomberg that the incident was unacceptable, but it rehired the exec because. They believe in rehabilitation, which is like, fuck this company. This is like, this is horrible. I really hope that they don't make any money. No. So in 2016, they finally stopped at hosting group OM Circles and no more OMI classes or staff oming in the office to decrease liability. And they said it was to make the company more mainstream, but people think it was to cover their asses.
2: A hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and they kind of said, like, they told their employees, like, we don't want to do this, but, like, you know, we're just kind of doing this, you know, to, like, protect ourselves, I think is kind of what they said. Or, like, because, like, the mainstream people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like, we think this is right, but, like, the world isn't ready for it yet type thing.
2: Oh, exactly. They're like, we're too, we're smart. Like, it's literally Elizabeth Therner's, first they think you're crazy, then you change the world.
1: Yeah, or not.
2: Or not.
1: And so financially, this is also the craziest part to me because people would be lucky to make $200 a month, which supplemented a $900 monthly stipend that you could get from a manager's personal account. And they worked like 80 hours a week, again, just annoying people to take these classes. Truly. And yeah. And they were all like part-time contractors, or they were all part-time or like independent contractors making like 50 15K a year, which is And like, I'm assuming no. have
2: no insurance either.
1: Yeah. And when they were tired by the work, they were told to own more because it's an <laughs> endless energy source. That's a fucking pyramid scheme. That- <laughs> Truly. My gosh. And one taste in a statement said, like many startups, employees worked long and varied hours at times. I'm just like, if you're a company, like what service are you actually offering? Because it does kind of seem like a closed loop system where- you're just getting all your money from your employees who you're not paying, who are paying to take your classes. Like, it just—it exactly. doesn't seem like there's money coming in from the outside.
2: That's the th- Yeah, when I guess, I, I guess it's just trying the constant recruiting, I'm sure out of every phone call, 200,000 phone calls they have to make a week or whatever. I'm sure like maybe they get 10 people to sign up and that's like the right. slow burn of it all <coughs> or just paying people to have sex on fucking Tinder. Right. By force. So all of that to say they're, is a lot of stuff surrounding One Taste, but there was it was kind of a lot under the radar until like uh, 2017, 2018, mainly 2018 when the Bloomberg article came out, and then a lot of stuff came from there. Because in the Bloomberg investigation of it, they found out that back in 2015, so while the company was still in the up and up, One Taste had paid a $325,000 out of court settlement to a former staff member who said that she was forced to sleep with prospective male customers and suffered sexual assault and harassment as well as other labor violations on the job. This was settled in like a confidential act. That's why nobody really knew about it back in 2015. Uh, but that's why the company said they no longer do organized groups as OM, and because it was once this edgy lifestyle community, now just a legitimate business. Uh, but sort of, because I'm kind of, I was so curious when researching this, because I was like 2018, 2019, when all of this controversy came out. and I was like, but what is it today uh, Nicole did step yeah. down as CEO, uh, and now they're kind of saying, like, it's not a call. It's common for people to use that term when something changes their internal perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs>
2: uh, sure. The other gag about it all is the One Taste website no longer exists.
1: Well, it does. It's OneTaste.us, oh, no. but then it, like, redirects. Like, a lot of the links redirect
2: there's a redirect because there's a new organization called the Institute of Om, Uh-oh. set up by former One Taste members, which describes itself as an education company dedicated to helping people increase health, happiness, and connection through Om. Doesn't that just sound oh, no. like Om? Oh, mm-hmm. no. The website, this new website also includes Nicole's TED Talk and her book, Slow Sex, endorsements from satisfied cu- customers, people even saying that it cured them of their suicidal depression. And like a story about the theory, practice and etiquette etiquette, and everything like that. Like examples as once the strokey is in the nest, stroker mindfully enters nest by stepping over and across strokey with their left foot What? and sits down next to the strokey. All these weird things on their site.
1: Fucking gross. Also, like, I'm sorry, but you got to like stroke, stroker, strokey, please change it.
2: I'm like the change strokes? the terminology. <laughs> I like that band. I don't know if I can listen to them anymore. And Julie Ayer, who was formerly one of the owners of One Taste, was listed also on the Institute of Alm, this new website, as the organization's CEO. Hmm. And Joanna Van Vleck, who was formerly the CEO of One Taste, who was once described it as the whole foods of sexuality, is listed on her LinkedIn uh, being the director of REACH as the Institute of Alm. So it seems like the worst rebrand, fake out. of
1: fucking annoying people day in, day out to pay for these classes. Of
2: all- Literally, that's a REACH. Should I sign up for the newsletter? Oh, my God. Honestly, I mean, honestly, no, because they will find all your information and never. Oh, my God. They're never going to leave me alone. Oh,
0: I have
1: regrets.
2: And this uh, back in literally May of this year, 2022, uh, neither of them responded to numerous email requests from L.A. magazine. So we didn't reach out because we didn't assume they would reach out. I
1: was like, like, from us? us
2: (laughs) And Nicole, despite all of this controversy, she now seems to be doing quite all right. In the last few years, she purchased several properties in California, including a bungalow with an open floor plan in Venice.
1: <laughs> I love that you pulled those details. Like, okay, it's a bungalow oh, in so Venice, jealous. but what about the floor plan?
2: Open. I mean, it's gorgeous. I'm in a Venice house. I mean, like, it's so pretty down there. She's like right by the beach. She's probably can, she's probably two blocks from the beach with her open floor plan. Right. With so many bond, with so many trees in it, or whatever. Uh, still in April, though, because there was also, um, well, <laughs> let's see if we get one of these. Well, uh, she filed a libel suit against the BBC because they did a, a, a little uh, news uh, breakdown about them. But she was complaining that the broadcaster had described One Taste as a destructive sex cult. We never said destructive. So I guess we're safe on that. We end. never
1: said it's a sex cult. We said other people said it's a sex cult.
2: Wendy Williams School of Journalism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fucking truly. Uh, Columbia Who? But like. But the
2: cult yeah Uh,
1: allegedly
2: (laughs) a lot lot online so basically everybody is doing all right including the cult of orgasms that she founded because the iom website says learn to arm for free get started in your own home with our official orgasmic meditation how you hooked line and sinker
1: oh wow i know i don't know what to say i mean again this is just something i would never get into like ever in my life
2: No, exactly. But it's also, I see how people can get convinced on this more easily.
1: I do to an extent, but like the classes are so expensive that I'm just like, and they're not offering anything revolutionary, even though it's trademarked, but like, whatever, you could find me on that aspect. But it's just like, when you break it down, it's nothing that revolutionary that you can't get yourself. So I really am just like, how did people justify like spending this much money?
2: I, that's the hard thing. Well, I guess so many people had that mindset that the guy had where it's like, okay, I'm 3,000, that'll be 30,000. Then I guess something will just give, which I don't really know what would give. I don't know if they thought maybe like, oh, maybe all this money I'm giving into one taste will somehow come back to me, or they were just blinded. Yeah, I, we'll see.
1: We will see, but it's actually kind of crazy that there's not really been much consequences for
2: anything That's the thing. And I also feel, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was just me and you who I have not really heard that that much about this place either.
1: No, I so never So they're it really before.
2: skating under and like the LA the last the, the most recent article about them was from LA Magazine in May 2022. Just going kind to of the ripple effects from this and the ripple effects is that nothing fucking happened to them.
1: Interesting. I
2: that's know. not great. So, <laughs> not great at all.
1: Hmm. Well, that's that that like. is that
2: i know i'm yeah uh, i mean let us if anybody was ever you don't have to you can be anonymous but if anyone was a member of it or knew anybody dm not in a true crime because i'm just curious about that
1: yes let us know um let us know if you have any other cases we should talk about if you want us to talk about yoga to the people we can of course <laughs> we can
2: we might have to because we might mm. have to thank you guys for listening Always let us know more episode ideas you want us to do at Not Another True Crime on the Instagram or on the Facebook group, of course. Not Another True Crime group. You can follow me on Instagram at CasmarthaK.
1: You can follow me at Sarah Lamine. And thanks
0: so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.